Hey friend, I'm Aristasia. Welcome to Passion and Potential Podcast. I'm a creative business owner that followed my heart, learned some things the hard way, and created a passionate career for myself. At 22 years old, I quit my marketing job to start my business in a new city with no friends, no experience, and a whole lot of emotional baggage. I'm using the lessons I've learned in life and business to inspire you to embrace your passions, discover your full potential, and chase your dreams in life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hello! Welcome to part four of my life story. Once again, if you've stuck it out through all this, thank you, I appreciate you, and I love you. (laughs) Part four. We are going to dive in to the downfall of being 27. (laughs) The rock bottom. Part four is actually one of the huge motivators. This time period in my life is really the time period that is backed up behind a lot of my earlier episodes where I talk about losing myself And I talk about people pleasing. And I talk about being unapologetic and struggling with perfectionism. This episode, you're going to learn why I reached that point of self-understanding, but also self-motivation to understand. In last episode, I end by saying that even though things were technically good and going great, I still felt sad inside and I didn't know why. So in this episode, part four, I want to dive into this transitional part of my life of wanting to continue to embrace my passions and continue growing my business, but realizing I'm not doing that in the way that I feel capable or I feel that I actually should be. And I'm not doing it with my whole heart. And essentially me coming to a realization that I'm suppressing a huge part of me and my passions because I feel like I'm too much for the people in my life. But more importantly, I'm too much for the boyfriend I was building a life with. So in 2018, we got engaged and we were ecstatic. Oh my gosh, yes, truly. Like I said, we had already started building this life together. We had the dog, the cat, the house, the friends and the family that we were very close with. And of course, all those years together and the love that was built in those years, this person becomes another part of you. You spend all that time with them and they become a part of all of your memories in all those building years. So of course, the next step seemed like the right one. And let the wedding planning commence. We booked the venue, the photographers, the DJ, the whole bit. Well, during all this time, let's not forget that I mentioned I was struggling with that lost feeling and like something was sad inside of me, but I didn't know why or what. Well, leading up to the year of the wedding, I decided it was time to put focus on my mental health. I knew I had a lot of baggage. I knew I needed to work on it. And I also didn't feel like it was fair to marry someone with all of that baggage. And I just, I knew something was wrong inside. I was experiencing a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. I was having panic attacks. 
And I want to share the literal moment that pushes me to finally start therapy and essentially fully understand myself, my trauma, my emotions, and really turn my mental health to being this massive focal point in my life. So I bought a wedding dress <laughs> and then I went to my first fitting. I brought my mom and grandma with me and as the dress is on and I'm looking in the mirror, I have an absolute emotional breakdown. Like full on sobbing, which turned into hyperventilating. Um, I, I do believe this is what they call a panic attack. <laughs> well, at this moment, I really didn't know why I had this meltdown. I really didn't. I was not self-aware at all. I'm not exaggerating. I didn't know if it was related to the trauma from my family and having my mom and grandma there with me. I didn't know if it was related to my body image and seeing myself in the mirror and being triggered by the eating disorders I had my whole life. I didn't know if it was panic over the thoughts of getting married. All I knew was that these were not happy tears and I needed to do something about my mental health. So that very next day, I called a therapist that my friend recommended to me and I got that ball rolling. So once I'm in therapy, I'm starting to learn that talking about feelings is okay and feelings are validated and pretending that nothing is wrong does more harm than good. And I'm realizing that suppressing all the things I've suppressed in my life have just come back to haunt me as triggers, anxiety, insecurities. And I'm really putting in the work inside of therapy to understand everything inside of me now and inside of my past. Well, as therapy goes on, I mean, I am starting to become very emotionally aware of my feelings and my mental state and my triggers. I'm analyzing those triggers. I'm learning healthy ways to communicate. And I start learning and developing healthy coping mechanisms. So as I'm going through these months, leading into 2019, wedding year, I'm slowly but surely really, really putting in, in that work to understand myself. And as I keep doing this and as time goes on, I start to feel more alone, more than I already was feeling. And I start to feel more misunderstood. And those moments of feeling that way aren't just a day that passes anymore. They're not something that I shove to the side and I go, well, I don't know, you're just being dramatic or you're ridiculous, you're too emotional. I start to really analyze them and understand them. And I start to realize that these moments where I'm feeling very, very misunderstood and alone are red flags to me. And they kind of start to make me reflect on the relationships in my life and the relationship that was at hand, the relationship, and the values we had in it. I remember in 2019, I actually won an award for my business. <laughs> and it was an absolute massive achievement in my career. I even still say it with excitement now, and that was years ago. People supported me. They were rooting for me. My clients were rooting for me. I gave and I gave, and 
I worked hard and all that hard work paid off. And I found out that I won best photographer in Cleveland. Even after moving back to Ohio and rebuilding my business here and then niching with the fear of no longer people pleasing and having to say no to people and turn down sessions or money. So I win best photographer in Cleveland and I wanted to freaking celebrate. <laughs> I wanted to announce the win and I wanted to thank everyone for voting for me and helping me receive that win. And I vividly remember feeling as though I wanted to celebrate with my fiance, but I shouldn't celebrate too much. Especially when it came time to talk about it. I, I felt like I should kind of dumb it down a little. I wanted him to be proud and freak out with joy and look at me in awe as a woman that he understood and that he loved and look at me as a woman that got to this place she really cared about and was passionate about. But I did not receive that response. I didn't receive toxic or mental abuse or verbal abuse. I just didn't receive excitement or understanding. And ironically enough, the day that I win this award was the very first day I ever had therapy. It was my very first appointment. And so honestly, I was kind of feeling proud of myself in multiple ways. One, over work in my business, but two, over the strides forward to handle my mental health and to deal with my trauma. And so in the car to downtown, because I wanted to take that picture with the skyline and I wanted to pop champagne, <laughs> I mentioned, guess what? I had my very first therapy session today, kind of like cautiously of like, oh no, I just admitted that. Does that make me broken? Does that make me damaged? Um, is this okay? Do you support this? Also, just know that I'm doing this because I do want to be better. I don't want to be broken, right? I realize how sad that sounds now, but here we are. So I mention it and his response was, I don't think that's something we should talk about. I don't need to know that side of you. And the excitement I felt in that day and in that massive achievement, it very quickly fizzled. And I cried a lot in that car. <laughs> and I didn't want to celebrate anymore. I just remember being like, can we just go home? I just, I don't want to. I don't really want to at all. And I think it's because I felt ashamed. Shame for having brokenness in me. Shame because I felt like I couldn't express that to the person I was going to marry the rest of my life. But honestly, even deeper, Shame for being the woman I knew was not the woman for him. Because the award didn't matter. That was not the celebration that he would care to celebrate in a woman. It really wasn't. And, and that's okay. But not okay for us. The awards didn't matter. The growth in the business or the passions or the self-awareness and the therapy didn't matter. Because at the end of the day, he wanted this road. And I wanted that one. And I was never going to be the values 
he found important in a woman. I was never going to be able to be that because that was not where my passion lied. And I could conform and I could mute myself and I could try and fit myself into a box to become somewhat of that woman, which is what I did a lot of the time. But all in all, I knew deep down that wasn't what I wanted to be and I was never going to authentically be that. So looking hindsight, it makes sense why I felt suppressed. Because honestly, throughout time, those passions in me started to get suppressed. And even when I did feel excited about them, I made sure to reserve that excitement because I didn't want to be too much. And I didn't want to give too much of that side of me when I knew he wanted the other side. So when I was hired to paint this big mountain painting for someone, and I had this epiphany that, oh my gosh, what if I start selling prints of my art? Then we could all have this mountain painting and not just one person. I could launch an Etsy shop or build a website. And I genuinely felt this massive rush of excitement and a little sliver of that passionate me came out again. That me that I kept saying I missed. It was met with, I'm sorry, I don't understand this side of you. I don't need more. I don't need the next thing. I like my job. I like my routine. I like things not changing. And you always want more. Here's the thing, friend. It's not that I wanted more in sense of nothing is ever good enough for me. Because that is problematic. It's that I knew I had more in me. I had more potential in me. I knew my heart wanted more because I was capable of more. And I knew I could just be a photographer, which I loved by all means, still love, still doing it to this day. But I could also be a podcaster that inspires people and helps them chase a dream of becoming a photographer, just like I did, or chase a dream of being their own boss and leaving a toxic job or overcoming trauma in understanding their mental health. I could inspire people and I could help them find a, find a passion and maybe even turn that passion into their career. I knew I loved art and that art could be a part of my life, but also I could grow it bigger and have it be a part of my business if that's what I wanted. Because I knew that art didn't have to stop at painting canvases for other people's homes. Art could be prints that I sold that could be in a bunch of homes and it could become a stable source of income. But dream big, baby girl, because art doesn't even have to be just that. It could be painting murals, something that I always had on my bucket list of dreams. So it makes sense why I was feeling so misunderstood and why I felt extremely lost and suppressed. Because I went from being the passionate young woman who took a chance on herself and left a job she hated to start her own business and believe in herself and embrace all those passions of photography and art and grow in that way that she wanted to grow to a woman who was absolutely still embracing the passion of photography and thriving and being a business owner,
but also a woman who was feeling shame about that. And even further, a woman who felt guilty about embracing all of that too much. And a woman who was putting a cap on her dreams to please others. And putting a cap on her passions to make sure she wasn't too much. I, be, I was becoming a woman who was settling in life. And I knew I didn't have to settle and I didn't want to settle. I was suppressing me and that's why I didn't feel like me. So during this time of working through my feelings and my mental health, like I said, I developed some coping mechanisms. One of those mechanisms that helped massively was journaling, which I talk about in one of my other podcast episodes. So I started journaling all my concerns, feelings, hopes, dreams, goals, insecurities, everything that consumed my brain, but especially everything that consumed my brain in an anxious way and would normally send me spiraling. I bring this up because I still have these journals and they're sitting on my lap as we speak. These journals are from that year of 2018 and 2019. I want to share some of the thoughts I was writing in these pages. I think it will give a lot of perspective about my mental health and my self-worth at the time, but also the very deep feelings of confusion I was experiencing. I think it will show you how truly misunderstood and alone I felt at this time. And how much I was unaware that there was nothing wrong with me. But I felt like there was. I was completely unaware that it was okay that I was such a passionate person. It was okay that I was driven. It was okay that I wanted more. And it was okay that I wanted to help people. It wasn't okay that I was trying to suppress all of that to be something I thought someone else would like more. And it wasn't okay that I was suppressing all of that to be a version of myself that I did not want to be. So right off the bat, I have multiple pages that are goals for starting a podcast. Funny, right? (laughs) Because now you're listening to that podcast that I did not start back then. I started it in 2021, years later. So you'll see pages of podcast brain dumps. And literally, you will even see a two-year breakdown. Literal breakdown plan for the podcast. With steps and strategy and planning and ideas and little pep talks for myself. And you'll just see pages and pages and pages of podcast episode ideas. But then keep moving forward and you'll see pages of me trying to organize my feelings. So this page that I am reading, I have it labeled end of May feelings. (laughs) This would be May 2019, six months before my wedding. I have things listed out with a main category and then bullet points, which is kind of funny because I'm actually not a type A person. But when your emotions are all over the place, you try and be as organized as you can be, I guess. (laughs) So, end of May feelings. Zero control of my emotions. Bullet point. Excessive crying. Irritated and distant. Lonely. I feel really misunderstood. Feelings of guilt because I feel this way. 
Next one. Me and my fiance have nothing in common. Bullet points. I feel like I am the only one putting in effort. I am starting to feel numb. I want to run away. I picture escaping the current life I have now. I'm having heart palpitations a lot. I think I'm questioning if I should get married. What if we always have this huge gap between us? Anxious feelings about the future. About my career. About people being mad at me. How can I get married if I have no plan? The next page I have this poem? Question mark? <laughs> um, I'm not sure what you would exactly label it, but it was how I was feeling. So, so I wrote it, which at the time I thought, I think it was inspiring because I do remember this and I think I was viewing it as a positive way to look at a relationship of two people that are very different now that I'm reading it I'm realizing it's really sad it's further validation of how absolutely misunderstood I was feeling at that time and how much I was trying to convince myself that there was nothing wrong with me but also how much I was trying to conform to be that version that could be more loved. So here's the poem. I may not be the girl who follows a routine and promises to cross all the chores off her daily to-do list, but I'll be the girl that finished the dishes, half started the laundry, and in some way, one or another, got distracted by something beautiful and decided to paint a new painting to hang above the fireplace. I may not have it all together, but I promise I'm floating through life following my heart and the things that set my soul on fire. The laundry can wait, but life is too short to pass up things that make your heart feel like sunshine. And ouch, right? <laughs> Because the thing is, at this time, I was trying to convince myself that I could still chase those things that made my heart feel like that. And that it was okay that I painted that big painting to go above the fireplace, even though I didn't do the other things that would be more valuable in a woman. And that's sad because looking hindsight, I did not have that self-love to recognize that those traits in me truly were beautiful. I was trying to convince myself that they were. I have a random quote on the next page. <laughs> I just want to feel like myself again. I'm so sick of being sad, uninspired, unmotivated, and isolated. And then literally the very next page, I have a list of things to buy for our wedding shower. <laughs> and the page after that is a list of things to do for the wedding. Right after that, it's back to feelings. To see the confusion here of where is my brain? Are these feelings okay? No, focus on what you need to do. Focus on what is coming up soon. Focus on what you should be doing. But then, wait, no, you do need to focus on your feelings and your mental health. So I have an additional page of I feel emotions. And I'm not sharing all these pages because honestly, there's way too many of them. <laughs> But as I was going through the beginning pages of this book, I, they really stood out. And I was like, wow, ouch. So I feel numb at times, in love but very alone, distant and on another planet, 
not proud of myself. Remember last episode when I said that I was really struggling with being proud of myself? (laughs) I feel anxious. Like I have self-worth issues. Like I want to accomplish more. I feel happy when I'm doing things I love. I feel unheard. Like I need to change. Like I was always too much. Too passionate. Too emotional. Too driven. If I marry him, would I always feel like I'm not good enough? And would I always feel like I needed to be something different? I'm concerned he loved me most when I was... And then I don't finish that sentence. It just... Nothing comes after it. I still wonder why I didn't finish it. But I wonder if maybe I was writing something like, he loved me most when I was less passionate or less driven or less me. (laughs) I have a list of concerns. I don't want to always feel like I'm begging him to enjoy life the way that I do. I don't want to always feel like I'm too much for him. I'm worried we are settling for each other because we've created a life together and because we love each other. I worry I'm too passionate and I'll always feel misunderstood. Sometimes I feel like he's marrying someone he doesn't even know. And then I write underneath this list, maybe I'll change and settle down. But everyone who knows me says this is how I've always been And I shouldn't have to change. What's next? How do you restart a life that you've had with someone for all these years? So I think you can understand where I was at in this point of time. (laughs) Clearly I was trying to understand myself, but I was feeling like there was something wrong with that. And the closer and closer we got to the wedding, the more he and I were on separate pages. He was doing this and I was doing that. He really loved video games, so that kind of became his numbing solution. And I was doing anything I could to just not be home. I would ride my bike for hours just listening to music on repeat. And I would ride my bike to the sunset and I would journal in that notebook I just read to you and I would listen to music and just do that until I couldn't anymore. And I started spending a lot of time alone and with myself. And in that process, I started to find myself a little bit more. But the issue here is that I also started to disassociate the relationship, which I think is pretty evident in the I feel numb statements on those pages. So we finally reached the day of our wedding shower and numb is an understatement. (laughs) Neither one of us were the happy, giddy couple that is dreaming of their wedding day. My maid of honor handed me a sash with my new last name. And I cried so hard in the bathroom. I cried tears of guilt, fear, shame. And then I wiped those tears and I went outside with a smile to pretend everything was okay. I knew this wasn't right. I knew this isn't how marriages start. I knew this isn't what I wanted in our relationship. And I knew I didn't want to get married to potentially get divorced. I came from a family of divorce. Some people three to four times. (laughs) 
And I knew that if we married each other, we were settling. We were trying to force the other person to be something they were not. And is that happiness? For someone who prides herself on creating a life of joy and passion, is that what we were doing here? So the very next day after the wedding shower, I asked him to sit down with me and I had the hardest conversation in my adult years. I asked him, what are we doing here? We cannot get married. This isn't the relationship we want. This is not us. This is not the old us. The happy young 22 year old us. This isn't us. I said, I, I, I want things different. You want things different. And let's be honest, we're never going to be that for each other. I told him I would never be the homebody woman with a routine. And I would never be the woman who didn't feel passionate about her art and business and chasing dreams. I told him if kids were in the card, I, I would be a wonderful mother one day. But that was not my focus right now. And I knew that that was his passion. And I didn't, I didn't want that to be the reason he stays with me. That hope that I could become that very, very mother-focused woman. I'm not saying that that's not in there, but at that point in time, that was not my, my sole passion. And I knew that if that was the reason he stayed with me, then I would feel like he was always waiting for me to be a different version of me. I knew his passion lied in family and starting a family. And I would support that hands down, but not at the expense of completely losing myself. And I, and I recognized that the more we tried to force each other into roles we didn't want to be in, the more we would resent each other and be unhappy. He didn't disagree, but didn't fully agree. I was kind of met with a, if this is what you think is right response. But I didn't want to be right. <laughs> I wanted to be on the same page. And it was very evident that we were not. So when I said in part three's episode that things were finally stable and quote normal, um, that shit finally hits the fan again, this is what I'm referring to. I moved out of our house and I stayed with a friend in her spare bedroom. I didn't take the animals because let's be honest here, he had the house still. And I could not bring a dog and cat to my friend's home that she was graciously letting me live in on a literal whim. We had to cancel everything, of course, which was awful. Calling vendors, returning gifts from the shower, telling friends and family, which honestly was probably the hardest part of it, was telling friends and family. People didn't understand. And if I'm being bluntly honest, people were unbelievably angry at me. <laughs> I lost almost all of our friend group. <laughs> I lost friends I had even before him because they built a friendship with both of us over all those years. And they chose him because they didn't understand how I could do this to him. And they chose him and they essentially ghosted me and shunned me. <laughs> I lost his family who I was very, very close with and I never for one second expected them to understand the difficulty in this. But it didn't make it less heartbreaking. And I was very, very sad about it. And of course we lost a relationship. 
and a human that we very much so cared about. It's not that there was ever this toxic component in our relationship that was filled with physical abuse and verbal abuse and hatred. No, we had a friendship. We lost each other along the way. And we sure as heck did not meet the values we wanted in a partner. But that friendship wasn't enough to get married, especially knowing the values we did want for our life and to know and to know that not being able to be that for him was going to make me completely crumble as a person who wanted to be the most version of me. So here I was. The wedding photographer who just won best photographer in Cleveland in the busiest wedding season of my career ever. And I just canceled my wedding two months before I was supposed to walk down the aisle. Fall is the busiest season in Ohio. And September 1st was when we canceled everything. <laughs> that wedding season is Still to this day, the toughest I've ever had. Even post-pandemic lockdown, when every single wedding vendor was like, do we have a career? <laughs> and I essentially continued to disassociate through this time. I think it was out of protection for myself in my heart, but also my business, to be honest. I knew that letting life get in the way was not acceptable. I made a promise to my clients to be their passionate photographer that photographs love and embraces it and shows that love in photos. And I was worried that if I let my heart feel truly broken the way that it really did, weddings would be that much more difficult. But also, I was worried that if I allowed people to know about this heartbreak and about this downfall of a relationship that they would almost form judgment of me. And I understand how terrible that sounds, but I was genuinely concerned that they would think I couldn't photograph love or I couldn't photograph a wedding because I just canceled mine. And I didn't want any bit of my situation to cross over into someone else's big moment, their big wedding day that they were excited about. And I very much so promised myself I would not become jaded, but I also would not let people assume I was jaded. So I kept it on the down low I did not let people find out. And literally, I'd be at weddings photographing them, and my bride would announce to the whole room that she's next. Oh my gosh. Can we see your dress? And I'm like, oh, this is so awkward. But I wouldn't tell them. I would just pivot the conversation very quickly and be like, oh my gosh, girl, today is about you. We'll catch up later. And it was awkward. So I continued to be more numb. 
And I'll be honest, I handled that breakup the worst way. The literal worst. I will admit that. I know that. And Lord knows, oh boy, I have beat myself up over that. So I'll own up to the, I, to the fact that I did all of that wrong. My friends were concerned because I wouldn't cry. Other friends felt I was being selfish because I wouldn't cry. And because it appeared that I just moved on with my life so easily. But I didn't. Deep down, I was so upset. So deeply, deeply sad. I just wasn't allowing myself to grieve. And I was really freaking mean to myself during this time. Any bit of grief I did feel was just met with guilt and a lot of shame. That self-love that I kind of started to build up at the beginning of therapy, that was not there. That was a lot of mean girl talk. And I would tell myself things like, you're sad because you lost your friends? Well, that's on you. You did this. You made that choice. Maybe you are too much. Maybe it is a problem that you want more. Why can't you just be happy with what's in front of you? And I told myself I wasn't choosing happiness or myself. I was choosing to self-sabotage because I came from trauma. And I didn't know how to be normal or not broken. I told myself that I just craved chaos and I craved brokenness. But you know what? No, that was not the case. And all I'm going to say is thank goodness for therapy. <laughs> because then I would talk through these feelings with my therapist. And she would very quickly remind me of the things I was saying in our earlier appointments. And the things that were inherently there. And she would very, very quickly remind me that choosing a passionate life for yourself does not make you selfish or a bad person. It just makes you different than maybe another person. Or even further than the person... I was dating at the time, and that's okay for both of us. doesn't mean that either one of us are bad. It just means we are different people and want different things. But she would also remind me that I needed to grieve and that I could not move past this without grieving and providing myself closure. And that healing took accepting. So I move out of my friend's spare room. And I finally have my first apartment on my own since the breakup. And I am my own person. And I grieved. And I felt the loss fully. And I felt the guilt fully. I felt the mistakes. But I also felt the things that were not mistakes. And I gave myself some grace. And I felt the acceptance. And over time, challenge by challenge, month by month, I really understood the value of loving yourself and believing in yourself, and choosing yourself. I am by no means perfect. Lord knows I've done a lot of things wrong in emotional ways that affected other people and in very blatant life ways where struggles could have been avoided had I known what I know now or had I just done things better. <laughs> but I'm at a place of grace and understanding. And I'm at a place of being the happiest I've truly ever been in life. It wasn't South Carolina in episode two that made me the happiest I ever was. Sure, the, the sunshine and ocean played a huge role in gratitude. <laughs> but ultimately, it was me being passionate and chasing my dreams. And when I lost that passion, I lost me. Now every single day I wake up 
and I know I am embracing my heart. I'm growing Aristasia photography, but in ways that I know are true to my values. I'm photographing couples that, yes, are getting married. I did not become the jaded photographer. <laughs> but these couples that I work with are the most amazing people, and they have hearts of gold, and I'm grateful for them every single day. Most of them become my friends, like literally almost all of them. <laughs> I've hired employees to be under the Aristasia Photography brand so they too can be creative and be passionate and not settle for a job they hate. My assistant Maddie has been with me for two years and she's literally not even done with college yet. And she always says, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I didn't have to go get a job I hate or I would lose my mind if I ever had to get a normal office job. Well, you know what? It's my goal to make sure she never has to do that because she deserves to be passionate and she deserves to be artsy and she deserves to embrace those sides of her that she not only loves, but knows that they make her feel excited. She does not have to settle for a job she hates. I'm painting regularly. And no, not out of the original rock bottom, oh crap, I need to fix myself again, <laughs> like I did before. And like I did any time my mental health was already spiraling. I'm just painting on a normal basis because I love it. And because I know how amazing it is for me. And I know it's so healthy for me. In 2020, during the pandemic lockdown, I launched virtual paint parties, a way to embrace art during the lockdown but also to teach others, but also to teach others virtually how they could embrace art and paint something on a canvas. I grew my virtual class from 10 attendees to 75 within one month. And then a few months later, I launched Artsy Airy and I decided to sell fine art prints of my paintings. Just like I talked about earlier when I had that epiphany and when I felt like I could do more with my art, but I didn't act on it because I suppressed it. And within 24 hours, I made $1,000 in art prints. The money wasn't the thing that confirmed I was capable. To me, it was that I was acting on my capabilities and I was embracing them fully. I was putting myself out there and I was allowing my passions to be something bigger because that's what I wanted for myself. And, and because I deserved to have bigger. It didn't matter what anyone else thought or said. And in 2021, I launched this podcast. The podcast that was written on so many pages of those journals and those notebooks. And I finally did it. And I finally recognized that I deserved to do it. And I freaking love this podcast. <laughs> Lord knows, launching this podcast has been a journey of its own and a lot of learning in itself. Like I said in part one of this series of my life story, I'm not used to talking about these very, very deep, vulnerable things. But I challenged myself to do that because I promised myself I would do things that seemed difficult but felt passionate. And if this seemed difficult but the passion was there and I knew that sharing my story could help someone, and not only help someone, but help me in owning my truth, then I was gonna do it.
And so the podcast has grown. And I, and I love my podcast because it is no longer on those journal pages. It is here. It is a reality. And four months after launching this podcast, I painted my very first wall mural. The wall mural that seemed like a dream. The wall mural that I wanted to paint, it was on my bucket list. I wanted to paint walls. Remember, I didn't want to just paint a canvas. I wanted to one day paint a wall and be as creative and artsy as I could be. And so I painted my very first one. And in under one year, I painted 10 additional. And every bit of my heart was shining through that because I was being my most creative passion itself. I really, really was. And I was embracing that. And I was no longer letting fear and suppression in my own opinion of myself and also other people's opinions of me. And all of that imposter syndrome and all of that self-doubt, I was no longer allowing that to deter me from doing things that I wanted to do. I was no longer allowing it to deter me from chasing dreams. And I've not only learned to love myself again, but I've learned to let someone else love me again. (laughs) I let my walls down and I finally allowed someone into my heart, which was really freaking hard to do. (laughs) But I promised myself that I would stop suppressing and stop being so guarded. And my boyfriend is the most supportive man in the world. He believes in me. He encourages me. He holds me accountable, which I freaking love. And he challenges me when I am being wallsy and I want to disassociate because that's what I was used to doing. He quickly reminds me that our purpose is to bring out the best in each other. And he communicates and he encourages me to communicate something that was not easy for me and something that I strayed away from due to a lot of my trauma. Because in my mind, confrontation equaled bad. No, he encourages me to have the conversations that aren't always easy and to bring up the icky feelings. He listens to this podcast and then he will even lecture me when I'm late on releasing an episode. (laughs) Not because he wants to be hard on me, but because he wants to listen and he wants to see me embrace this side of me. And when I told him my dream to get to 10 murals in one year, he didn't laugh and he did not doubt that I was capable of that. He just believed in that. And when I told him I wanted to grow Aerostasia Photography and hire other creatives, his exact words were, damn girl, you're gonna build an empire. (laughs) So here's my way to end this very long episode and this part four life story series. If you have something that brings you joy, you 100% deserve to embrace it. You deserve to feel that joy in life. You really do. It does not matter if you're not the best or perfect or if people doubt you. You deserve to embrace passions. And if you want one of those passions to be a part of your career and to make you money, you absolutely deserve to do that. You can do that. You can turn your passions into hobbies, but then also turn them into careers if that's what you want for your life. I know emotions aren't always the easiest, 
And I know self-understanding can be really tricky, but dig deep into your heart and analyze your values. Analyze the things that make you shine, but also the things that don't make you shine because that's important. And I encourage you to really prioritize your mental health. Seriously, develop coping mechanisms. Spend time with yourself to find yourself because you are the only person that is going to spend 100% of the time with you. So your mind, your mental health, the way you speak to yourself, the way you value yourself, all of that really matters. And I was in a dark place in terms of my mental health. I did not value me. And I was very unaware of me. And I did not understand any of my emotions. So I had to do the difficult parts of getting there. But it was so, so worth it. And remember that you don't have to be stuck forever. It might be icky if you decide to get out of that stuck place. I got you, I get you. (laughs) But you can make a passionate life. And you can make a life that doesn't feel wrong inside. And you can get to a place of self-love and self-respect and self-worth to embrace things that you care about. So embrace your passions and discover that potential inside of you to do amazing things. Let's just imagine where I would be right now if I didn't. Go ahead and imagine that because I don't want to. If you are listening to this now and you've made it to the end of this episode, I want to thank you for listening. I truly am grateful. And if you've listened to part one through four, I want to thank you again. Thank you for listening to my story, and I hope you listen to it with an open heart and an open mind. I know that it was a little bit of a roller coaster, and there was a lot to it, but I am proud of myself for doing it. And I'm grateful that you are listening to it. I would love if you would share this with someone else that you think it could inspire or help. That is my biggest goal here, truly. (laughs) And if someone comes to your mind and you think that they could use some encouragement from any of these episodes, please share it with them. If you have any questions about anything, therapy, mental health, relationship, opening the business, any of it, please, by all means, feel free to DM me on Instagram. I'm more than happy to talk with you and share more with you because there's only so much I can share in these episodes. So if if at any point you wanted more from it and you wanted me to expand, just reach out to me. I'm more than happy to. I also go live in my Facebook group, Passion and Potential, where we'll do Taco Bad Tuesdays. And I kind of expand on a lot of, um, a lot of the things that I talk about in this podcast further. So feel free to join the group. And just make sure that if you like these episodes, you subscribe to the podcast. (laughs) You can find me on Instagram at Aristasia, A-R-A-S-T-A-S-I-A. That being said, till next time, my friends.